Hey there, I'm Donnie Spano. Welcome to Faith for Today. And today we're looking at great grace. And we're looking at an aspect of this great grace, which is diligence. What is diligence? We're going to find out more. Go ahead and stay tuned for that, all right? Now use your faith with us. We're believing that the Lord is going to help us, that we'll have uh, His ability to speak it right and for us to hear it right. And that He'll, by the help of the Holy Spirit, teach us in all of these ways. So, what we've been looking at in this series, and if you have not listened to any, go ahead and get it. It's free to you, and uh, you would be blessed by it. And we've been looking at great grace, how great grace has been an aspect and a characteristic of the church since the very uh, birth thereby. And so we have had great grace upon us from the start, and it has enabled us to do of God's quality and character and um, we've looked in different aspects of this grace but today we're touching on diligence diligence now this diligence well yes sir let's come to that I'll define diligence here in a in a little bit more time when we're talking about great grace why have we been talking so much about it one of the the issues that's at hand in our day is that God has graced us his people. He has abounded towards us of his grace and he has been rich towards us in his grace. And yet there have been many that have not used it, that have taken it in, received it to no use, in vain. And they've actually frustrated the very grace of God. Now, this is actually scriptural. Let's look together in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. And then we'll also go uh, to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. So go with us to 2 Corinthians 6, 1. Hallelujah. And it says here, We then, as workers together with Him, God needs some workers with Him today. Is that you? I know it's, uh, I believe that's us, that we are workers together with Him. And He said, we then. So He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to this church at Corinthians. He's saying, we then, as workers together with God, um, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. So He's he's urging them. He's pleading with them that... um. You know, he's talking about himself and those with him as workers together with God. We're pleading with you. We're urging you that you don't receive the grace of God to no use. Which means it's entirely possible to do so. That you and I can actually have God's very grace in our grasp and have taken it in. And it actually be not working at all. And... um it says here in the Amplified Classic, laboring together as God's fellow workers with him then, we beg of you not to receive the grace of God in vain, that merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence on souls and turns them to Christ, keeping and strengthening them. Do not receive it to no purpose. Do not receive this grace to no purpose. Why such an urgency if it's not possible to do so? Why such an urgency if there aren't many that have done this and will do this? 
because it is something that is so relevant for us today that so many have been made rich by God in form of His grace and are living in a poor way and putting it to no purpose, not using it at all. Now go with me again to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. And Paul, by the Spirit of God, is saying this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in what? Was not in vain. So he's saying, I am what I am by the grace of God. And that grace which was put on me, was not in vain. So he's saying he didn't receive it in vain. And he, he gives us an aspect as to why it wasn't in vain. Continue to read this with me. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Isn't that amazing? He said, I labored, but not really me. The grace of God went to work. And this is an aspect of God's grace that... He needs us to partner together with it. But when you and I step into the zone and into the place where His grace is, there's something that goes to work that propels and overtakes. And it becomes a work that's well out beyond us. All we had to do is initiate the sequence. All we had to do is set the thing in motion. And then, look out, you're going for the ride. This is the grace of God. And when you and I partner together with Him, our labors together with God, and we enter into this place of faith, oh my, by grace, we enter into something that is not useless, it's not purposeless, it's full of purpose, and it's got a work to do. And so with that, we look at the aspect that is diligence. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. And as you're going there, I'm going to read to you another verse that's going to couple this uh, receiving the grace of God in vain. So again, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I refuse for myself personally to receive God's grace to no use. It will be useful in my life. And then I'm going to read to you Galatians 2.21. And it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He said, I don't frustrate. The Amplified Classic Version says, Therefore I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace of God. For if justification, thank you Lord, comes through observing the ritual of the law, then Christ the Messiah died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. His death was then wholly superfluous. No, it was not to no use. He died for purpose. And so is this grace. It's such a disgrace to receive it and not work it. Not allow it to do what God has intended it to do. And so here in, uh, let me come with you, 8 verse 7 of Second Corinthians. It says, Therefore as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and knowledge, 
and in all diligence. And in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So all of these are graces, and God's plan is that you and I abound in every one of them. So it's His plan that you and I abound in diligence. In diligence. Now this word diligence, it means speed. Uh, it gives this idea of dispatch, to dispatch. It, and think about this. If someone is in need of an emergency, they will dispatch an ambulance. Now, they're not wanting that ambulance to get there whenever they'd like. They want them there when? As soon as possible. Right now. This is an aspect of diligence that it's not waiting it's moving. It's going. As soon as it sees what is needful, as soon as it sees what God intends to be done, it's going to work to get it done. It's not waiting. As soon as it knows, it's going after it. And this is an aspect of the grace of God, that you and I will see something, God will show us something, and there will be something on us to go right after it and get the job done. And it is this diligence. This word diligence also gives the idea of eagerness or earnestness, carefulness, and haste. There's an urgency to get on the move and get the job done. <sighs> you can see why many don't exercise it. Why? Because your and my flesh does not like this. You know what this is? This is more work. This is tapping into doing more than is required, more than is expected, because not everybody wants to do more. To have this grace of diligence at work in us will go above and beyond the call. Now, this is not... And this is, this is very important. This is not going above and beyond what we are directed to do. This is not going above and beyond what we're commanded to do. Why do I say that? Because this generation has given the idea that faithfulness is going beyond what you're told to do. And that's a lie. That's a lie. Because faithfulness is true to the original intention. Faithfulness is getting something from God and doing it just the way it was giving. It's an unfaithful thing to take from what God says or add to what God says. That's a faithless thing to do. So it's it's faithless to say go it's faithless to go beyond what's commanded. So, discipline does not go above and beyond what's commanded, but it is quick to respond to the command to go beyond. Let me say that again. That's not even in my notes. Diligence, the grace of diligence is quick to respond when it's commanded to go beyond. It's quick to respond when it's commanded to go beyond. And this is an aspect of faithfulness that is the grace of diligence. They're coupled completely together 
And it's important we see it in this light because we're not going to go beyond what God's commanded and expect to be faithful. So, thank you, Lord, for that helping. Let's look at what are some of the benefits and aspects that you and I can find when we take this grace of God's diligence and allow it to work in our lives. Before I continue in that, I sense the Lord, when we talk about this aspect of not wanting to do more, let's look at that for just a moment. Um, we find that diligence gives more when more is asked. It's an aspect of faithfulness that goes beyond the normal. Why would God give more of this grace to those who aren't willing to do any more? The answer is, He wouldn't. If you and I are not willing to be quick to respond when uh, we're commanded to go beyond, then we'll miss out on more of this grace. Because it takes those who will humble themselves and be willing and obey that will have more grace added to them. And part of this grace is this diligence. And we'll see why it's so important, because this diligence is coupled together with some wonderful things. Now, we'll find here, many want more power in order to do less. And let's look at this. See, we want more ability and more power to get more done so that we can kick our heels up and rest more. Or we can go golfing or fishing or ladies go shopping, right? More time to get more bags. This is an aspect of the flesh that we want more power to get more done in less amount of time so we have more time for who? For you, for me, for self. And it's an aspect that will actually oppose the grace and abounding in the grace of diligence. Because when you and I, if we were to look at it in that regard, and seek to serve ourselves by coupling with this grace of diligence, we are short-circuiting the very faith to receive more. The grace to be diligent, I'll, I'll just go through the notes here. It says, this is why they fail to grow in ability, while our flesh likes to get more done in less time to give more time for self, this grace will get more done in less time in order to do more for others. If we desire to grow in diligence, we must start with where we are and go above and beyond with what God's put in our hands now. When we have that call to do more from Him, that leading to go out beyond what others are willing to do, and we're quick to respond, we enter into a place where we can receive more of God's grace. And let's look now at why that's so important. Let's look at Romans 12, verses 5 through 8. Thank you, Lord. Romans 12, verses 5 through 8. And we're going to find an aspect of this uh, grace that is diligence, is that it, it rules. It's a reigner. It... It's one that's exalted and exonerated. Romans 12, 5 through 8. And it says here, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. 
having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with what? With diligence. The grace of ruling. Now let's look at this in the Amplified Classic real quick. Verse number 8. He who exhorts or encourages to his exhortation, he who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberality. He who gives aid and superintends with zeal and singleness of mind. He who gives aid and superintends. Superintends. Let him do it with zeal. Thank you, Lord. And singleness of mind. With diligence. Thank you, Lord. He that shows mercy with cheerfulness. So one that rules by the grace of God. One who leads. One who manages. One who is meant to be... Uh, what's that word, Father? You know, we as managers of God's things, that's what we are. He's given us to, uh, to oversee it. To There's another word. But needless to say, as leaders, those who are called to lead, this is how, these are some of the parameters in our leadership, is that we're to lead in this way. We're to lead with this grace of diligence. Now, let's go to uh, 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. <laughs> I can sense people already going, well, that doesn't pertain to me. There's more that are called to lead than realize. There are many more things that need faithful ones to oversee it. And if you and I, <laughs> it couples right back. It goes right back to being willing to do more. And there's, yes sir, there's reward in these things being done. Some people are wondering, they, they have this desire in their heart, they have these things they want to do, and they think, they're like, man, I just wonder when it's going to work out. It just doesn't seem like it's there. It doesn't seem like, and then God will bring to them to do this thing or that thing. And they'll go, oh, that, that can't be God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. You know, we may want to get that out of our language. It would do us good on a daily basis when we get up, instead of thinking about what do I want to do today? What do I want to do today? It would help us to change our vocabulary, to change the things we say to ourselves and to others and ask, Father, God, what would you have me to do today? What can I do for you today? If we would get our mind off of ourself, we would be in greater position to abound in the grace of God. And so here we find great leaders are ones that lead with diligence. They lead with this eagerness, with this speed. And it's also coupled with earnestness. Earnest has this integrity about it. It sees something and it sees the quality and the need for what it is. Because a lot of people expect things out of their leadership and there's a whole lot of that aspect of what they think they should do that they don't know anything about. And a true leader, a, a true good leader, 
is able to see what's important and what's needed with what. And it's okay when people are disgruntled because they think something else should have been done because it knows and has this knowing from God about what's needed for what they're over. And this aspect, they'll know when I need to get on it right now. There's this eagerness to get after what God tells us to do quickly. And so here in 2 Peter verses or chapter 1 verses 3 through 10 Thank you, Father. God needs some good leaders, some diligent ones. Second Peter 1, 3 through 10. And it says here, According as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, God's nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust, through desire. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Beside this, giving all diligence. The fifth verse in the Amplified Classic says, For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises. Employ every effort to the employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue develop knowledge or intelligence, and in exercising knowledge develop self-control, and in exercising self-control develop steadfastness, patience, endurance, and in exercising steadfastness develop godliness, piety. And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasing, increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful to the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. If these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful. And this is an aspect of why. Why are so many Christians idle? And why are so many unfruitful? Because of this failure to increase. This failure to grow. That's what this is. It's giving this. Adding your diligence employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop. You see in these verses development, a giving of oneself to grow stronger and stronger, to increase more and more. And in this, you find them abounding more in the grace of God. But apart from adding diligence, there's a lot of this process that is not done. That's why it's telling us, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And this promise is wonderful. If we'd put ourselves in this process and not receive God's grace in vain, but allow it to work effectually in us and through us, then we'll find ourselves in this eighth verse. It says, these things being in us and abounding, they'll make us that will neither be barren nor unfruitful neither be idle or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it goes on and says, But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see, afar off, cannot see far off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. So what are two of the big benefits of this grace of diligence? Is that it enables us to be in the process of development, which brings us to a place where we won't be idle or unfruitful, and it brings us to the place where we make our calling and election sure. There's a calling of God on our life. There's things that we're supposed to do, and it makes it certain. It makes it more and more promising that we'll fulfill what God has called us to do. Because we went through the process. We allowed Him to perfect us. In the Amplified Classic it says, Because of this, brethren, the 10th verse, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, and to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. Hallelujah. So the aspect of the grace of diligence enables us to not fail, to not falter, which is to be completely successful. Always increasing, always being sustained is an aspect of God, but it's an aspect of giving ourselves to His diligence. Being quick to do something when we know it's Him. And now let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 6, we're going to look at verses 9 through 12. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. And it says here, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've showed toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you be not, what? Slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So the diligent ones, the ones who yield themselves to the grace of God in being diligent, are those that are not slothful. The Amplified Classic says, um, In order that you may not grow disinterested, that sounds like idle, disinterested, and become spiritual sluggards. That's not us. We're not spiritual lazy ones. We're not spiritual sluggards. We are. It goes on and says, But imitators, behaving as do those who through faith, by their leaning of the entire personality of God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, and by practice of patient endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promises. You want to get all that God has for you? Then exercise this diligence. Allow it to work in our lives, and we will find ourselves not sluggards, not lazy, quick to do things that God has directed and when we do, we'll find ourselves enjoying the best. We'll find ourselves inheriting His promises. Now let's look at, the last one is in Proverbs 4.23. Um, I'm just going to read this one to you. I want you to go to Genesis 18 in closing. 
we're going to see the father of our faith. Notice, again, we talk about faith, 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 but we're looking at the great grace of God. They are coupled completely. Genesis 18. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. And then I'm going to read to you briefly here Proverbs 4. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. So you're there in Genesis 18, 1 through 10. Let me read to you Proverbs 4, verse 23. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Proverbs 4, verse 23, it's, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So the keeping of our heart is going to be coupled with the grace of diligence. And it's very important. There are certain things that we want to keep out and certain things we need to keep in. And the way we'll do so is by yielding to this grace of diligence. It's very imperative. Now, here in Genesis 18, let's look at the father of our faith, Abraham. And it says, And the Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the what? In the heat of the day. We've been having some of that, haven't we, friends? Yeah, here in the midst of summer, hot and boiling up. Here Abraham is, sounding like he's in the plains. It says uh, he was, the Amplified Classic says, by the oaks or terebrints of Mamre. And so here he is sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. It's hot. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray you, from your servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread. And comfort you your hearts. After that you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said so do as you have said. And Abraham what? Hastened into the tent. Unto Sarah and said. Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. So now. He's quickly running in here. And then he's. He's uh, ministering here to Sarah saying. Sarah. Make this food. Make it up. Seventh verse. And Abraham ran to the herd and fetched a calf tender and good. Notice he did what? He ran. So we see here he's at the door in the heat of the day. He's now serving these that he sees. And he's... Thank you, Father. He's hastening to the tent to Sarah. He's running to the herd. He fetched a calf tender and good, gave it to a young man. He hasted to dress it. He is diligent. He's going, he's an older man right now. And it's not, he's not using it as any excuse. He is a quick to get it done man. He's hastening to do it. He's eager. He's earnest. He's quick to do it. And he runs, he, he dresses it, he hasted to dress it. Eighth verse, and he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them. He's not even sitting down. He stood there, stood by them under the tree and they did eat. 
And they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, Behold, look, she's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah your wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And granted, she laughed. We'll, we'll bypass that for now. But she laughed. They were uh, up there in years. And so she thought, what in the world? Now let's look at verse 16. And we'll go from 16 to 22. And, um, and the men rose up from there and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. So he's still not quit. He's going with them, leading them out on their way. And uh, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. Why? Because of the man he yielded himself to be. The man who would run to get this, to fetch this, to dress this. This kind of man, this diligent one. This is the man that God could use to rule. This is the kind of one. And um, he said, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will what? He will command his children and his household after him. He just went in there. I don't think he was disrespectful. But he actually gave directions to Sarah to make up some food. He ran in there. He hasted into the tent. He said, hey, Sarah, we need this much. We quickly make ready. Make ready is not asking. And I, I know this is not politically correct, but he, this is scriptural. He said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, make cakes upon the hearth. And Sarah had such respect and faith in this man who God had given to her to be her husband that she does it. You see a great flow of great grace in this diligence flowing through their household. And it's coupled with humility. It's coupled with faith, respect for one another. He could actually give this direction and she not get all huffy and puffy. Oh, how are you going to talk to me like that? You can't even say please? Can't even say... None of that. Absolutely none of that. Why? Because great grace was at work. You don't got time to do the work and complain. You can't do both at the same time. She had no time to complain. She was too busy doing what God had directed her. And so was he. Abraham, the father of our faith. And um, this is in closing. I know we're at time. but So God's saying, The earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice <clears throat> and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sins very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. He still is steadfast and unmovable and diligent as can be because of the great grace upon him. And this enters into aspects of his pleading the cause for Lot and for Sodom and Gomorrah because he was a diligent man that great grace was upon that entered in and received from God others couldn't 
This is for you and I today. As we together be not vain receivers of the grace of God, but put this great grace, that's God's diligence to work in our lives. We're going to see ourselves enter into things which others do not and doing things which others cannot because of His great grace upon us. Hallelujah. Well, that's all for faith for today, my friends. We love you. We bless you. We will see you soon.